Hello and welcome to the first edition of Coach Davis's NFL Draft Podcast. I am your host, Coach Brian Davis from Memphis, Tennessee, home of the mighty Hickory Ridge Middle School Wildcats, where I am the offensive line coach, the defensive line coach, and the defensive coordinator. This week on the show, we are going to be discussing what has happened so far in free agency for all 32 teams in the NFL. Not only will we be talking about who they signed and uh, who they didn't sign and why that's a good or a bad thing, but we'll also be talking about their needs for the upcoming NFL Draft since this is an NFL Draft podcast. First up this evening is the Arizona Cardinals who made big news this week with the restructuring of Larry Fitzgerald's contract which will keep him a Cardinal through 2011. It's a four-year deal worth... Uh, a total of almost $40 million. As many people have noted, it makes sense in the short term because it does keep Fitzgerald a cardinal and keep him happy. But for the long term, it is an awful lot of money to pay a receiver when they have so many needs and so many players coming up that are going to need contracts, such as Carlos Dansby, who they franchised this year, uh, Anquan Bolden, who is uh, debatably just as important in the receiving core as Larry Fitzgerald, and uh, Adrian Wilson, who is the key to their secondary. Uh, other than Larry Fitzgerald, the Cardinals have mostly been quiet, with the exception that on defense they added Travis LeBoy. Um, this is disturbing probably to a lot of Cardinals fans in terms of the fact that they have not made the playoffs with this roster, and yet they're not doing much to upgrade it. Uh, they do have the 16th pick in the draft, and you've got to think that they will look for either offensive line help, since Edron James has struggled so much running the football there, or that they'll look on the defensive front where they are still not exceptional. Next, Next up we have the Atlanta Falcons, who quite honestly have made a mess of things this offseason, which corresponds to the mess of things that they really made all of last year between the Michael Vick situation and the Bobby Petrino uh, fiasco and, and just the whole mess. Now, they've started out by adding Mike Smith as their head coach, who comes from Jacksonville, uh, where he was defensive coordinator. But let's be honest, Jack Del Rio ran that defense, so we're looking at somebody who really doesn't have any experience, so you don't know how that turns out, and that's a major wild card. Um, sort of like Rod Marinelli a couple of years ago in Detroit, and we see that that's had some mixed results. They're not any worse than they were before, but let's be honest, they aren't a whole lot better. They've lost a whole, whole lot of their veteran players, which may be a good thing since they clashed so much with Petrino last year. But it seems like they've they've got a real leadership void at this point, uh, including losing Algie Crumpler, Warwick Dunn, and so on. And they've added, really, the only free agent of note that they've added is Michael Turner, because other than that, they've just signed Von Hutchins and Eric Coleman at defensive back, which was a position of need, but to me it's still a position of need, because you don't feel real confident going into the season with Von Hutchins and Eric Coleman starting in your secondary, in my opinion. In the draft, they're going to be really tempted to look at quarterback way earlier than they should have, where there really isn't a whole lot of first-round value at the quarterback position this year. And they do have so many needs, but 
I'm worried that they're going to try to find Michael Vick's replacement. So Atlanta is a really big mess, and I don't see things looking up much from last year. This brings us to another team that I really don't think did themselves any favors this offseason, that being the Baltimore Ravens. Not only did they fire Brian Billick, only to replace him with a special teams coordinator in John Harbaugh rather than someone who had proven leadership. But then they followed that up by really not doing anything to improve themselves uh, on their roster with their only free agent of note being Brandon Ayanbejo. The good news is that they didn't lose anybody per se, but their quarterback position is still a huge question mark coming into this offseason with the health of Steve McNair still in question with the shoddy performance of Kyle Bowler for the most part, and with the wild card being Troy uh, Smith because he played respectably for a rookie towards the end of the season and really better than a lot of people expected. So you wonder, is Troy Smith who they're banking on in the future? And you definitely wonder how Rex Ryan fits in with that new staff. Is John Harbaugh going to make any changes there? And... Uh, how is he going to run the offense? What kind of offense is he going to run, etc.? The only guarantee that you can have is they'll probably have pretty good special teams. Next up is the Buffalo Bills, who I really was surprised at how well they apparently did in free agency this year. Uh, with the retirement of Marv Levy, you wondered who was going to be making the decisions and how that would go. But I think they made an excellent trade in Marcus Stroud, who I think will really solidify that defensive line which is already a pretty decent defense. They also got Kavika, Kavika Mitchell on uh, linebacker and defensive tackle Spencer Johnson. And then of real no real note, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, they got Courtney Anderson. So with the, with the exception of Marcus Stroud being sort of a high-profile person and a little bit Kavika Mitchell, but not really just super high-profile, the Buffalo Bills did a pretty good job of signing some guys that can help their roster but won't necessarily break the bank. They have the 11th overall pick, and with that, I would say that they will probably take a wide receiver to help young quarterback Trent Johnson, uh, who looked pretty good in spots last year. I think he is definitely got a tremendous upside. I've also heard rumors of a trade of J.P. Lossman, which would make sense because J.P. Lossman is rather upset about uh, losing the starting job last year. As I said, I think the Marcus Stroud pickup and also the pickup of Spencer Johnson and Kavika Mitchell will be very, very helpful because their one weakness on defense last year was run defense. That definitely addresses that need. Now we come to the Carolina Panthers, and to be honest, I've been really surprised at what's gone in Carolina this offseason because John Fox is one of my favorite coaches. I think he does an excellent job of playing fundamentally sound defense and running the football and keeping his defense off the field and trying to minimize turnovers. That being said, it's been a couple years since they've been to the playoffs. Big disappointment last year. Um, And I was surprised that they traded Chris Jenkins. I know at times he's been an underachiever, but good defense starts in the trenches on the defensive line. And I think players of Chris Jenkins' talent level are hard to find. They did pick up linebacker Landon Johnson, defensive lineman Tyler Brayton, and wide receiver Machine Muhammad, and they also got some Ham and Egger type uh, value players. 
I think that Machine Muhammad can help some since he is a possession guy to offset Steve Smith's speed. I do think he's a little long in the tooth now and that they need to hope that Dwayne Jarrett develops this year and obviously with the headlines this week stays off the bottle as well when he's driving. But I think that the big key to the Panthers this year will be finding uh, some consistency in the defensive line and getting Jake Delhomme healthy and back to his uh, earlier form of earlier years. I think that it's going to be very important to find some stability in their backup quarterback position, and that's something that they have not really addressed well enough yet. And they did let David Carr go, which was not very surprising considering that he was a major flop last year. And obviously Vinny Testaverde not being an option this year, you hope that they're not going into the season without a plan at backup quarterback. Speaking of teams that underachieved last year, the headliner of them all was the Chicago Bears, who took a major step back on defense as this, the year went on, and you hope that a lot of that was uh, Brian Erlacher's injury problems and the problems of, with injuries in the secondary. But you can't really tell until you go into this season. They did re-sign Rex Grossman, which surprised a lot of people. It didn't really surprise me for the reason that it's not a terrible value at what they got him for, and they don't have a long-term solution there yet. You hope that there'll be an open competition between him and Kyle Orton, and you could also look for them to take a flyer on another quarterback somewhere in the draft. But with as many as they've missed on in the past few years, one has to start wondering who's doing the quarterback coaching and why all their quarterbacks turn out so abysmal. Um, they did re-sign Lance Briggs after all the rhetoric coming from Lance Briggs last year that he wasn't going to re-sign, and I think that will help them with consistency. They've had a much quieter offseason, which will be good after all the controversy of last offseason, and they need to work on contracts with Devin Hester and Tommy Harris. Those are coming up due pretty soon, and they need to get them Resigned. Those are key components, obviously. Uh, Devin Hester uh, has ended the career of many a good kickoff specialist. See Todd Sauerbrunn. Then we come to Hudim, Hudat, Huday, whatever, Cincinnati Bengals. They were really a disappointment last year. You hoped with Carson Palmer's injury finally completely healed and the whole receiving, receiving core except for Henry coming back for the first eight games, he had the suspension, but then he was back after that. Uh, you hoped with Rudy Johnson running the ball that they would be so explosive on offense that maybe it would make up some, for some of their shortcomings on defense. But I don't think anybody counted on the defense being as bad as it was. And honestly, the offense didn't look great a lot of the time. Um, the notable shortcoming came early on in the season when they gave 52 points to the Cleveland Browns, and I think their season sort of fell apart from there. Um, during the offseason, they got Antoine Odom to help with their pass rush, and they signed Daryl Blackstock at linebacker. Um, obviously, defensive tackle was a priority to them because of their attempt to trade for Sean Rogers and Dwayne Robertson. In both those cases, they're probably going to be better off without them because um, – the last thing the Bengals need is an underachieving person with character problems. Both those guys have been known to be lazy during their careers, and Dwayne Robertson has been a major failure with the Jets for the most part. And to be honest, 
um, Melrose High School has not been a real good supply of, of NFL players when you consider uh, Dwayne Robertson, you consider Cedric Wilson, and a lot of other failed college athletes from the University of Tennessee and University of Memphis and places of that nature where Melrose feeds into. Overall, obviously, they've got to make their defense better, and they've got to start with finding a defensive tackle in the draft. I think you'll see them do that with their first pick. This is a good year for defensive tackles, and if you need one, this is the year to get one. Last year's surprise of the year was, for many people, the Cleveland Browns, and I was among those that was completely shocked. I thought that this time this year I would be talking about how I hated it for Romeo Cornell, who I think is an excellent head coach that he got the short end of the personnel stick and didn't have time to fully fix the problems in Cleveland. Surprisingly, they had a 10-6 and season with the uh, dark horse candidate at quarterback of Derek Anderson showing up and playing at a superb level most of the season. There were a couple of blips, which are expected of a second-year quarterback, but for the most part, the offense was terrific last year with Kellen Winslow, Braylon Edwards, Jamal Lewis, and Derek Anderson all really shining. And even uh, the backup for Lewis at running back uh, had a good season when Lewis was injured. And really, the the Browns were just, as I said, tremendously surprising on offense. I thought Joe Thomas uh, should have garnered con- some consideration for Rookie of the Year because that Browns offensive line really, really improved as well. I think it helped that they had a center healthy for once where they went – the previous season through like five of them, I think. And I expect big things out of the Browns this year. They've taken a risky approach by conducting their draft basically through free agency as so many teams like the Redskins have done in the past. But they did get some pretty good players. Uh, they got Sean Rogers and Corey Williams to bolster that defensive line. They re-signed Derek Anderson, which was crucial to their offseason. They also got Jamal Lewis signed to a new deal. The only personnel move of the offseason that I really didn't like was I thought signing Dante Stallworth to such a long contract at such a large sum of money is going to be a really bad idea. Journeyman players like Stallworth that are always available in free agency are always available for a reason. In the case of Stallworth, it's the hamstring problems that always seem to creep up when you need them the least. And he's just not the most reliable receiver. He wasn't at Tennessee. He wasn't at New Orleans. He wasn't at Philadelphia. And towards the end of last season, let's be honest, Jabbar Gaffney began replacing Dante Stallworth in a lot of the Patriots packages. The the matchup in the Super Bowl at the Giants should have really uh, lended itself to Dante Stallworth getting open with that makeshift Giants secondary. And you look on film and you see Randy Moss open some. You see Wes Welker open some. You even see Gaffney open some. You don't see Stallworth open much. Now we come to the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Although most of America can't name more than one starter on the offensive line, the only reason they can name Flozell Adams is because it's such an odd-sounding name. The Cowboys obviously were very disappointed to do so well in the regular season and then flutter out in the first round for a second straight year. Um, So all that love for Wade Phillips didn't really pan out as much as Cowboy fans had hoped because in the end he accomplished the same stuff Bill Parcells did and he did it with Bill Parcells' players. 
Being a Broncos fan, I have had firsthand experience with Wade Phillips and know the letdowns involved. He was a terrific defensive coordinator for us under Dan Reeves, and then he was a terrible head coach with uh, us losing games by scores like 51-48 to because he suddenly forgot how to coach defense when he became the head coach. Now, defense was not the Cowboys' problems in the playoffs this year. The major problem for the Cowboys in the playoffs this year was pass protection, and that can largely be attributed to the fact that Jason Garrett had his quarterback in shotgun way too often, putting Romo with a target on his back. And I don't think a target on a second-year quarterback, second-year starting quarterbacks back in the playoffs is a good thing. I think that they should have ran Marion Barber more in the second half, and they should have made more of a commitment to the running game. That being said, this offseason, the Cowboys haven't done anything particularly bad, and they did do one very smart thing in re-signing Flozell Adams. They also placed their franchise tag on Ken Hamlin, which was a little surprising to me because Ken Hamlin, uh, while a solid safety, isn't spectacular, and there were a whole lot of equally solid safeties available in free agency. The Zach Thomas deal did kind of surprise me because they gave him a lot of money when all of his best football is behind him, and you wonder if he'll play again a whole lot more or if he's going to turn into a Dan Morgan type where the migraines and the concussions and things start adding up because he does tackle head first. This offseason, they lost Julius Jones, which means they will need someone reliable to spell Marion Barber. I think that they will address that in the draft, but I don't think it'll be nearly as early as a lot of people are predicting. I would not be surprised for them to take a look more at wide receiver in the first round rather than running back because if you add up uh, Terrell Owens' age with Terry Glenn's age, you get qualifying for Social Security. They did also um, give a tender to Chris Canty, and I would expect that he will probably end up resigning because I don't see anybody offering something more for Chris Canty. Um I think also that they still have a need for a corner to solidify their secondary a little bit more. And I also think that they need, in some ways, a more pass-oriented safety to stick in in some pass situations to sub for Roy Williams, who is a terrible liability in the pass defense, even though he's so good in helping out the run support. Bear with me on this next one because I am a Denver Broncos fanatic. And so I'm, of course, very opinionated on what's been going on with the Broncos this offseason. First of all, I liked the re-signing of Travis Henry at a more cap-manageable deal for two reasons. Number one, you can never have enough depth at running back. And number two, that did save us some salary cap problems that would have come with cutting him outright. For the same reason, it bothered me to let Javon Walker go for nothing. I really, really have some hard feelings about Javon Walker because he was a chronic complainer and a malcontent at Green Bay. Mike Shanahan said, we don't think that's who he really is. So we gave him a sec- gave up a second round pick for him, gave him a huge contract. He played one year and a couple of games this past season. And then he re-injured his knee, which is a chronic problem. And then he wanted to whine and complain and moan that Brandon Marshall took his job. I think that he would have been better served by staying in Denver another year, proving that he could still beat out Brandon Marshall, and he would have been much more likely to eventually see a Super Bowl, which he will never see in Oakland, and he's just basically sold out for a lot of money. 
but that's really the kind of guy he is, and that's who he's shown himself to be his whole career. If I were an NFL owner, um, I wouldn't give him a food stamp, much less a contract. Um, other signings for the Broncos or actual signings for the Broncos, John Lynch coming back, I don't like. I think he should have retired. I think that when you watch him on film, he is an enormous, enormous liability in the secondary. Um, I don't think he could cover his bed sheets in the morning when he's making up his bed, much less a receiver. I was glad when we signed Marlon McCree and uh, Marquand Manuel uh, at safety as well. Hopefully that will give some competition to Lynch and to our young up-and-coming safety, Amza Abdullah, who played pretty well in spots last year and played was a high-energy guy. Um, but I do think there was some competition needed at the safety position. I liked the Boss Bailey signing okay uh, because our linebacking core last year was putrid. One thing that I wish, and maybe this is just me being a fan, but I really wish that we would take a flyer on Al Wilson again, give him a low-paying deal. He's not in for the money at this point. He's in it because he loves playing football, and he plays football like a crazy person. And I don't see why we're going to let him get away to somewhere else when our linebacking core was so poor without him last year. I think that it's going to be key that DJ Williams moves back to uh, outside linebacker and Boss Bailey mans the other outside linebacker. We signed... uh, a guy whose name I cannot pronounce, Nico Cudavides or whatever his name is, from uh, Seattle. I have very mixed feelings about putting a lifetime special teams player as my starting middle linebacker. I hope that there's a plan to address middle linebacker in the draft. I'm kind of skeptical, though. I think that our defensive line play was not as bad as people thought last year because of the the bad linebacking play. However, it's still a position that needs desperately, desperately, desperately to be addressed. I was hoping that we would uh, find some kind of value somewhere in free agency. We really didn't. Um, You hope, obviously, that Marcus Thomas uh, stops going to parties with cocaine and guns and develops into a good defensive tackle, but you don't know with a fourth-round pick if, if they're ever going to do that. I think that Elvis Doomerville is a tremendous uh, player at pass rush, but interior run defense is still a problem, and I would like to see the Broncos trade up a couple of spots if Glenn Dorsey should happen to fall or if Cedric Ellis should happen to fall and pick him this year. Uh, most people have them taking a tackle for some competition for Eric Peers and for competition uh, on the other side with Ryan Harris. The retirement of Matt Lipsis does put us in need of a tackle. This is a deep draft at tackle, and I'm hoping that maybe we can find value somewhere else um, or something because I think that defensive tackle is a need much, much greater than offensive tackle. Also, somewhere we do need to find a receiver to replace Javon Walker at the number two spot so that we can put Brandon Stokely at his natural position in the slot. Another area that needs to be addressed is one that most people don't think about, and that's punter, where we cut Todd Sauerbrunn, and Todd Prater is not very good, and he is obviously not our long-term solution. Very key to the success of the rest of this offseason is going to be the re-signing of Jason Elam. I think that 
while there are some concerns about his age, he has been increasingly reliable as some of the strength has left his legs. His accuracy has sort of improved, which I guess happens with age and wisdom. I think that it would be a big mistake to let him go. If we do, it will be important to find value somewhere very, very quickly because it is harder than people realize to find a good kicker. At this point in the program, I would like to make a very obvious observation that Matt Millen is to general managing as Walter Mondale is to politics. He's done a horrible, horrible job in Detroit, as everybody knows. And as we enter yet another offseason with Detroit, uh, still not in the playoffs, there are some areas that, that looked up a little bit last year, but I have overall just really been dissatisfied with Detroit's offseason. First of all, I think the firing of Matt, of Mike Martz was idiotic. I think that their increased in commitment to the running game is admirable. However, the only thing that kept them competitive most of last season was the explosive nature of their offense with Mike Furry, with Roy Williams, with uh, obviously uh, Calvin Johnson having back problems but being there in spots. And I think with a new offensive coordinator, a new scheme, an emphasis on running the ball, without really a all-star Pro Bowl level running back, I think that they are going to struggle to win five games this year. I think that trading Sean Rogers was a pretty decent move for the amount he's underachieved over the years. Um, however, I think that they didn't get enough for him. I think that they should have been able to find more value. I thought that the rest of their signings have been kind of questionable with Brian Kelly and Dwight Smith both having their best years behind them already and Chuck Darby not and Lee Bowden not being really um, anything that's going to improve them substantially. I think that this is going to be the year that Rod Marinelli gets fired because I think that this is going to be a gigantic mess. In the draft, I think that Rod Marinelli being a defensive guy will probably look at defense again because their defense is just terrible. And I think Matt Millen hired him with the hopes that he would rebuild it, and they've just really not gotten better, and it's not going to help any losing boss Bailey, who's not obviously nearly the caliber of his brother Champ, but who is a solid player, and you don't need to lose solid players off of bad defense. Meanwhile, it's Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay with the shocking retirement of Brett Favre, who it really appeared after his reemergence last season that he would be returning for one and maybe even two more seasons in Green Bay. I think that Aaron Rodgers looked promising, as people know, in the Dallas game last year when Brett Favre got hurt, but we really haven't seen a whole lot about him, and as Tony Kornheiser likes to point out on Pardon the Eruption all the time, Aaron Rodgers did break every bone in his body in the previous replacement time that he had for Brett Favre the season before. I think that he will do fine. I think that they run an offense with a lot of dinks and dunks and an emphasis on yards after catch. I think he has some good weapons with his receiving core. I think that the big key for the offense of the Packers this year will be the increased pressure on Ryan Grant. I think defensive coordinators early in the season will stack the box and see what Aaron Rodgers actually has. And I think that that uh, Ryan Grant will see a whole lot more resistance than he saw last year. And this will be an interesting year to see if he was the running back that we saw last year or if, or if he was the running back that everybody cut. Um, I think that really the, um, the Packers... 
generally don't make a whole lot of big splashes in in free agency during the uh, Ted Thompson era of general managing, and this year has been no exception. The good news about that is that they generally draft pretty decent and that uh, they don't get themselves into bad contracts that way. And so I think that obviously coming up just overtime short of going to the Super Bowl, I think that they – they may be a lot like the New Orleans Saints this year and that they may fall off and there may be a market correction on them. But it's also possible that they pick right up in where they left off in the week NFC. The Houston Texans have been much improved under Gary Kubiak, especially in their ability to run the ball. And in the emergence of Sage Rosenfels is a pretty decent backup quarterback when they need him. And Matt Schaub played well in spots, although not as well as you would like him to play for the money he's making. I think that their offseason has been quiet. They re-signed Andre Davis and Will Demps, which I always think it's a good thing to re-sign your players if they're any good at all. And I think they got good value in both their players. They also signed Jock Reeves and Kevin Bentley for their defense. Nobody really earth-shattering there. But again, they got them for good value, and at the very least, they can contribute on special teams. It's going to be important in the draft this year for the Texans that they uh, address their running back situation. Um, If they don't make a run for a running back still in free agency or via trade, I think also they need to continue putting together some pieces on their defense and also maybe look uh, at some point at wide receiver and continue to find more weapons for Matt Schaub. Before I go further, it should be noted right off the bat that I hate Peyton Manning. Uh, I think he has a ridiculously sized forehead. I think that he gets way too many commercials for no good reason. And I think that if any other quarterback that's of any talent whatsoever had Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and Brandon Stokely for a lot of the years that uh, that Manning's been throwing the ball and had running backs like Joseph Adai and Edger and James, I think just about any knucklehead could could do what he's managed to accomplish. All that being said, you've got to give it up for Tony to D- Tony Dungy, who has made them legitimate every season contenders, something Jim Mora was never able to do. They were on, and on again, off again under him. So this offseason, they have re-signed Dallas Clark uh, to a long-term contract, and they also signed, re-signed their guard, Ryan Lilja. They did lose Jake Scott, which a lot of people haven't talked about, but Jake Scott is an excellent lineman. And you look at that, last year they lost Tarek Glenn, and Tony Hugo, luckily for them, came in and played well. But you can't keep losing a lot of pieces of the offensive line and protecting your slow white quarterback. I think that the Jake Scott uh, loss will hurt, although it won't be just devastating. I think they will still obviously win their division. Uh, I don't see any uh, major competition from the Titans, the Texans, or the Jaguars in winning that division. I think that their defense uh, is where they will probably draft. Um, With their first pick coming in the second round, I would say that they will probably address their defensive line, which has every year been a source of concern. I think they also need to add some depth at safety behind Bob Sanders, who is injured about as often as he plays. Meanwhile, Jacksonville did some things to help itself during the offseason, including most notably getting Jerry Porter, who I believe will be a big help to their young quarterback in David Garrard, who I always really liked at East Carolina. Being a Memphis Tiger fan, I got to see him play several times, and I always thought he was underrated. I was surprised this time last year, when, or actually later than this last year, when they let go of 
Byron Leftwich, um, although I think that everybody would agree it was the right move in retrospect. I don't like them getting rid of Marcus Stroud. I know he had the four-game suspension last year, and maybe there's some character issues I don't know about, but all I know is they have made their living on stopping the run with their defensive line, and I think that that is a major blow. I think that they need to replace him very early in the draft. I think that signing Drayton Florence was a good move at corner to give them some more depth in the secondary. I think signing defensive tackle Jimmy Kennedy was a horrible, horrible signing because if they're expecting him to replace Marcus Stroud, they have got delusions of grandeur. Uh, Jimmy Kennedy was a disappointment in in, uh, St. Louis. He was a disappointment in Denver, didn't even make the roster, and I think that that's a horrible signing. Uh, I think that the signing of Cleo Lemon for the amount of money they gave him to be a backup was very interesting, and obviously it's going to spell the end of the the, uh, backup career in Jacksonville of Quinn Gray. I think that Jacksonville will probably try to upgrade their pass rush, which really didn't manage to get in Tom Brady's face at all last year. And the two teams they've got to catch in the AFC are obviously the Colts and the Patriots, who both have strong passing games. Now we come to pure evil. Um, Anybody that raises their children right doesn't raise them to be Kansas City fans, uh, as has been proven over and over and over again as time has gone on. Uh, Luckily, uh, good always wins over evil, and so the Chiefs have hired Herm Edwards, which means that um, they're not going to have any notable success for several years to come. Uh, I thought that the retirement suddenly last year of Willie Rofe really, really, really hurt that roster. I think that Brody Croyle looked okay in spots. I'm not sure that he's the franchise quarterback they're hoping he's going to be. And I think that their rebuilding process is off to a very slow start during free agency, which is understandable because you don't want to spend a whole lot of money in free agency when you know you're not going to be successful for a few years. I think that they will, uh, as always, have a pretty strong draft because uh, Peterson, uh, their GM, is a pretty good judge of talent, Uh, the Ron Sims uh, mistake notwithstanding. And I think that he will do his best to rebuild from the personnel standpoint, and Herman Edwards will manage to mess it up because he's Herman Edwards, and that's what he does. I mean, you know, you play to win the games. Hello? I think that it was a good move to re-sign their punter, uh, Dustin Colquitt, who they're going to need. They also got Demario Williams and DeVar Darling. Like I said, those are value signings. They didn't go out and get anybody high profile. They have a whole lot of needs with the fifth pick in the draft. And here's one uh, analyst who's hoping that they draft feces. The Miami Dolphins are really an enigma to me because you wonder if they are as bad as their record indicated last year or if they were the team that lost so many games by three points or less. I do know that the defense has aged way too fast on them and they are going to need to make a whole-scale retooling of the defense and Bill Parcells is the right man to do that. I also think that John Beck is not the answer at quarterback, but I thought that the Josh McCown signing gives them stability until they find whoever's going to be their permanent quarterback. This is not a good year in the draft, as I mentioned earlier when talking about the Falcons, to find that quarterback because I don't really see anybody coming in that just stands out to me as future pro bowler or really even future starter. 
Now, obviously, every year's draft has somebody that ends up succeeding at quarterback, and I'm sure this year will be no different. But, man, I don't see it coming in because you have Matt Ryan, who really underachieved when his team needed him the most late in the season for Boston College. You have Brian Brahms, who fizzled when uh, Petrino left. And you see Petrino's system really didn't have much success at the NFL level, although debatably that could have been personnel as well. Um, and then you've got Flacco from Delaware, who is an unknown because Delaware uh, does not run the most conventional offense in the world. And you wonder why Flacco was so quick to transfer uh, when faced with competition at a D1 school. Uh, I would be kind of scared to take a flyer on him as well. I think, like I said, the, the Dolphins have a lot of needs. They're several years away from competing. And I think they've done a good job of getting rid of a lot of high-priced contracts and that they are going to finally, finally, finally build through the draft and do it well rather than doing it poorly because if you add up the intellect of Rick Spielman and Randy Mueller as far as personnel knowledge, uh, you could put all that on the head of a needle. Next we come to the Minnesota Vikings, who I don't think are nearly as good as their record indicated last year. I think they're pretty solid on on defense for the most part. Other than the fact that Erasmus James got hurt very uh, early last year and was never really a factor, and they've lost uh, Udazi, their uh, high draft pick from a few years ago, to leukemia. Who knows if he comes back this season or at all ever, honestly. And so I think it'll be important to very, very early in the draft address pass rusher. Uh, I also think that the signing of Bernard Berrien was mediocre at best. I think he was way overrated in Chicago, and I don't think that will pan out very well. Uh, I also thought that the signings of Madhu Williams and Thomas Tapa were a little bit better because they were low price, low profile, um, and pretty solid for the most part. The key to the offense this year is going to be continuing to find more creative ways to utilize Adrian Peterson's talent. continue to get solid play out of Chester Taylor and spelling Adrian Peterson so that he doesn't get hurt as often. And especially it's going to be the continued development of Tavares Jackson, who I don't ever really see as being a solid NFL starter. I think that this experiment is going to be an enormous mistake for Minnesota. Um, I think look for them to address pass rush in the NFL draft very, very early. Now we come to the Super Bowl champions. Er, wait, they lost to the Giants. We come to the New England Patriots, and I hope that Bill Belichick isn't taping me as I'm recording this podcast, but you never know. Uh, Matt Walsh could be hiding out in in the bushes behind my house. Uh, The offseason for the Patriots has been up and down. They did re-sign Randy Moss. However, they lost uh, Ashante Samuel and... Randall Gay, and I think that they desperately need some depth in the secondary. Uh, Troy Brown isn't going to be coming back again and suddenly playing corner when all their corners get hurt. I think that they need to address corner very early in the draft and uh, probably more than once in the draft. Uh, You look that they also signed Jason Webster and Lewis Sanders at corner. Those, to me, are not starting corners. Maybe they are to Belichick, and uh, I'll be the first to admit he knows more than I do about defense. Um, I thought that the signing of Tank Williams was good. I've always been impressed with Tank Williams being a pretty solid uh, safety. I think that the Patriots are going to have a little bit of a letdown, uh, the post-Super Bowl hangover, 
but I think you're looking at for an 18-1 team, any losses would be a uh, a hangover. I think that they will probably be about 11-5 team depending on who they get in the draft, and they might even fall as far as 10 and six. I just uh, see a real potential for problems, especially as old as their linebacking core is. Um, if you add them up, you get a dead man. New Orleans last year was what we in the economics world call a market correction. New Orleans was not nearly as good as their uh, performance indicated two years ago, and last year they were not as bad as their performance indicated. So I think this year you'll finally have them hit somewhere about where they should be. They will probably be 10-6. and six. Uh, they might still win that division at 10-6, and six, but more than likely they'll get into the playoffs as a wild card. I think that Drew Brees is an excellent quarterback. I think that San Diego and A.J. Smith were idiotic to let him get away and pin all their hopes to Phillip Rivers, who is admittedly tough after that AFC Championship playoff game, but is still not the world's most stable cookie at quarterback, and his jawing uh, is going to get him put out of some games soon. Um, I wish the Broncos had Al Wilson still because I think that Philip Rivers probably wouldn't have survived the Denver game with all that jawing had he still been there. Uh, all that being said, I think that New Orleans uh, needs to look at wide receiver and upgrade that a little bit. Uh, Marcus Colston is good, but he was better when Joe Horn was there, and I think they need a number two. They did sign Randall Gay to help their secondary, which still needs the most help of any position on the team. Uh, what with the uh, utter failure of Jason David to make a, an a impression last year on that secondary. Bobby McRae was also signed. That's not all that notable. They also got Jonathan Vilma, which is very important. I think that will help them in run defense. But again, they have got to get better against the pass. I believe that they will probably take another corner in the draft and that that will be a necessary step. I also think that it wouldn't hurt for them at all to upgrade their pass rush. Pretty decent offensive team, although they do need to find some depth at running back in case Deuce can't come back to his old form, but I think they do need a lot of work on defense. As one might expect from a Super Bowl champion, the Giants had a very quiet offseason. They did re-sign Coach Coughlin to a contract, they got some depth in the secondary with Sammy Knight. They also re-signed David Carr, which will or not re-signed, but signed David Carr, which will um, give them a little more stability at the backup quarterback position behind Eli than they would have had with Jared Lorenzen, uh, who let's be honest should be playing offensive tackle somewhere. Uh, they also re-signed their kicker Lawrence Tynes, which was kind of surprising to me after all those he shanked in Green Bay. And they re-signed Jeff Fiegels. Uh That's as long as he doesn't die from old age before the season starts. I think that obviously when you are a Super Bowl champion, you don't need to do a whole lot in free agency because all you're going to do is run up your salary cap. I think it will be important for Jerry Reese to work his magic a second straight year uh, as he did last year in the draft when all of his players that he drafted contributed in some point. I'm awfully surprised he hasn't mentioned trading Jeremy Shockey and has actually said that he doesn't want to do that because uh, boss behind Shockey honestly looked like he gave everything that Shockey normally gives, and Shockey is quite a character concern in the locker room. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 
have really made a mess of their franchise very quickly from their playoff appearance uh, just one season past. Uh, I think that Eric Mangini is an excellent football mind. Uh, I think that whoever is making the personnel calls, whether it be him or the general managing staff, does a decent job drafting and a horrible job in free agency. I think that the signing of Alan Fanica and Damon Woody were solid, but they overpaid for them when they could have found equal value in the draft. I think that Tony Richardson is way past his prime at fullback. I think that they way overpaid for Calvin Pace, whose production in Arizona was sporadic. And I think that what they gave up for Chris Jenkins uh, was really more than they could afford. I was surprised that they got rid of Dwayne Robertson. Um, and I think that that they gave up on him quickly, although he has not panned out so far. I believe that their number one thing that they're going to have to address in the draft is going to be the pass rush. And I think the draft is a good place to address it this year because they can find good value there in pass rushing in the first round. Next, we have a franchise who I could dedicate a whole broadcast to discussing the mess that's been made of it. Obviously, that would be the Oakland Raiders. Al Davis and his senility uh, has managed to uh, increasingly look odd and incompetent. I think that he is way overpaid for Tommy Kelly, who has never been even a serviceable defensive tackle. I think that he way overpaid for Javon Walker, who is never going to play a full season on those awful knees and who is a, a, a chronic malcontent. Uh, but then again, he's found the right place for malcontents because, I mean, what else is on the Raiders? I think that the friction on his coaching staff between Lane Kiffin and, Re- and Rob Ryan is going to cause some problems this season if Lane Kiffin makes it all the way into the season as head coach. I thought the whole situation with the hiring of James Lofton was very odd as well. Um, defensively, the Raiders were a disappointment last year, falling way off of what they had been in the past, and their retirement of Warren Sapp hurts a little bit on the defensive front. The signing of Jabril Wilson was a good one, although for too much money. If I was a betting man, I would say that they will address their defensive line in the draft. However, they could also go with running back, um, deciding that McFadden's speed is too much to pass up. Al Davis has always loved speed dating back all the way to the AFL. I think that the smart move would be to stick with Justin Vargas as their feature running back and find them a run-stuffing tackle. But... Since when has Al Davis ever done the smart thing since, like, 1980? The next team has one of my favorite coaches in the lead, Andy Reid, who represents us fat guys. And uh, I think he's an excellent coach. I think that he is, however, dealing with an aging roster, and I think he and management are in some ways in denial of that fact. Um, I think that Donovan McNabb is an excellent quarterback whose best years are behind him. Uh, however, I don't think that Kevin Cobb is the solution at quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be a decent pro. Uh, I thought that I was a little surprised Javon Curse was released, although for the money they were paying him, they should have expected some production, which he was not able to give them. Uh, one notable uh, defensive line coach who once, once coached Javon Curse uh, once told me at a coaching clinic that the worst thing that ever happened to Javon Curse was somebody giving him $60 million because they turned him into a expletive that's a synonym for a wimp. Uh, 
or a synonym for the female anatomy. Anyway, um, I think that they will need to address pass rush and the draft because they didn't get much pressure last year, and as a result, they didn't get many turnovers, which is unusual for a Jim Johnson coach defense. On offense, I think they need to get receiving help for McNabb, and I think that they need to find a veteran backup for McNabb in the event he gets hurt again. I don't think A.J. Feely is the that backup, and they need to address that position uh, in free agency still. They did get Asante Samuel, which will help their secondary, but it will only help them if they get a pass rush. Let me say up front that I want to like Pittsburgh very much right now because of their coaching staff. Their receivers coach once tossed me a beer at a college coaching clinic when he was the offensive coordinator at Memphis, and he was a generally nice guy. However, I see the Steelers starting to fade. I think Mike Tomlin would eventually have been a great head coach. However, I think it was a little before his time. Uh, I do like the re-signing of Ben Roethlisberger, but I think they drastically overpaid. And when you have one player eating that much of your salary cap up, good things never happen. No quarterback that's been paid that much has ever won a Super Bowl uh, after being paid that much. They they signed uh, Mweldy Moore, which will be a good special teams player and gives them a little bit of explosion on third down. Be good for some of their gadget plays that they like to run. But they really, as usual, haven't made much of a dent in free agency. However, the hallmark of the Steelers is drafting well. They'll have to do it this year to replace Alan Fanica, who left. They need to find some offensive line help for Roethlisberger. And maybe they might look in a later round for as he requested a tall receiver. Although that just doesn't really fit in with what they do. Note to St. Louis Rams management. When you finish as poorly as the Rams did and your most notable signing is a concussion-prone backup quarterback and a Pro Bowl place kicker, you have not done very well in free agency. They need to find a backup for Steven Jackson if he should ever get hurt again because their season fell apart when that happened. Uh, I didn't like letting go of Isaac Bruce. I thought that he could still... Uh, provide good leadership in that locker room and be a solid guy. Um, And I think that they need to add depth in a lot of spots on offense. I also believe that their defense still needs to improve quite a bit. Uh, They're better than they used to be, especially with Jim Hazlitt helping out as defensive coordinator, but they still need depth at all defensive positions. I believe that as early as they pick with the second pick in the draft, I think that they will be looking for um, a dynamic pass rusher. I think that they're hoping against hope that Chris Long falls to them. I don't think that he will, and I think they'll have to settle for the next best thing, and I'll talk in later episodes about who that might be. Let me go on record as saying that I think that the powder blue San Diego Chargers jerseys are one of the most hideous-looking things in NFL history, but then again, I think that Pat Boland deserves a swift punch to the nuts for changing the Broncos logo in the 90s. I think it should still be the old D with the crazy horse coming out of it. All that being said, the Chargers uh, were one game away from the Super Bowl last year after all the flack about uh, about Norv Turner coming in. They lost Michael Turner, which is going to be a major issue should LaDainian Tomlinson get hurt because you don't want to hand the ball to Darren Sproles as your backup running back. 
They did re-sign Billy Volek, who played well when he had to in the playoffs, and they signed Derek Smith at linebacker. Not only did they lose Michael Turner, but they also lost Drayton Florence at corner and Marlon McRae at safety. Marlon McRae lost his starting job midway through the season to Eric Waddell, but I think he still could have been a solid contributor to them uh, with veteran leadership. I think that in order to get back to the playoffs and to go further to make it to the Super Bowl, that they are going to have to add depth at receiver, at running back, and that they're going to have to address their secondary a little bit more still. Every day that I'm a Broncos fan, uh, which is every day of my life, I'm thankful for an owner like Pat Bowlin who gets what the NFL is all about and is willing to do whatever it takes to be successful. Uh, the reason I say that is because John York and the ownership of the San Francisco 49ers is the exact opposite. Uh, first of all, he ran off competent people slowly out of his organization, and then, after he finished doing that, he has replaced them with utter incompetence, such as Mike Nolan. Uh, Mike Nolan was not even a good defensive quarter, coordinator at the places where he was at. Particularly in Washington, he was just absolutely wretched with the defensive coordinator job. <coughs> I think that Mike Nolan, uh, this will be the year that he gets fired. On offense, they signed wide receiver Isaac Bruce and running back Deshaun Foster, which seems to signal to me that they want to get quicker for Mike Martz's offense. However, they are not personnel equipped to do that right now, which is going to be a problem the first year for Martz, and I think until he's able to bring in some of his own guys, the offense isn't going to be all that successful. The problem that they have now that they've hired Martz and that they've laid all their eggs in his basket is what do they do with Frank Gore, who uh, fits in with Mike Martz's offense about as well as option quarterbacks fit with the NFL? <coughs> I thought that the Justin Smith signing was pretty decent, and it'll give them some depth in the pass rush, which they need because um, despite their signing of Nate Clemens last year, they were not any more effective against the passing game. So if corner wasn't the problem, then what is? Well, obviously pass rush, because they had previously in seasons past lost players like Andre Carter. Patrick Willis was a good addition last year in the draft, but they still need to upgrade the defense, which is supposedly Mike Nolan's specialty, and they uh, are going to have to find some way to develop Alex Smith into a pro quarterback. If anybody can do that, it's Mike Martz. Seattle, meanwhile, uh, has added a whole plethora of running backs in this offseason, leaving Sean Alexander, as it has been reported, wondering where he stands. Well, Sean, uh, I can go ahead and tell you you stand on the curve because you ran like a baby last year, and the previous year you were hurt. So, uh, it leaves one to wonder if he was only playing previously for that mammoth contract he got, or if he is simply another victim of the Madden jinx. Uh, Other than the signing of Julius Jones and TJ Duckett, which only Julius Jones is really significant because TJ Duckett sucks, uh, offensive guard Mike Whale was also signed, and I think that's a pretty good signing. He does a pretty good job on the interior. Uh, they still need some depth at wide receiver after they traded away Daryl Jackson last year, which was very surprising to me, especially to a division rival. That made no sense. I think that Mike Holmgren, uh, if they don't make the playoffs, the fans will question the amount of commitment he had coming in just for one more season. And I wonder if he will really uh, be replaced by Jim Moore Jr., 
or if that was simply a ploy to keep him as defensive coordinator this year. The interesting thing to me about uh, handpicking a successor is uh, nobody's ever addressed to me how that fits in with the Rooney rule for hiring minority candidates. Uh, on defense, I think Seattle still needs to improve their secondary and uh, they need to continue to add depth to their special teams unit. And they're going to have to replace kicker Josh Brown, who went to St. Louis via free agency. It's been said that John Gruden has never met a quarterback he didn't like, and that's pretty true, or at least it has been in Tampa. wasn't really as much the case in Oakland, where he stayed pretty steadily with Rich Gannon. Uh, this year he did trade for Brian Greasy yet again. Why Brian Greasy's still in the league for the amount of money he gets paid is beyond me. Uh, he also got Ben Troop, who has been an enormous disappointment in his time with the Titans. Uh, when he came out of college, people were expecting him to be the second coming of Shannon Sharp, and instead he's been an enormous disappointment. Uh, it reminds me of the tight ends the Jets used to consistently draft in the first round. They also signed Jeff Fain at center, which is a good signing, and they built, bolstered their running back core with Warwick Dunn and Michael Bennett to come in and compete with Ernest Graham and with the rehabbing Cadillac Williams. They finally have depth at that position. Their defense has continued to age. Uh, they need to add some youth there, but the offense has got to improve because it is not performing like a John Gruden unit should, and it they got bounced from the playoffs last year because they could not score points. I think Jeff Garcia is too old. They're going to have to find somebody new. They better hope that Chris Sims returns and plays at the potential he was supposed to, and if not, they may have to look at drafting another quarterback next year. Bud Adams has the coolest hair in humanity this side of Mel Kuyper. Uh, Jeff Fisher is an excellent coach who has been in the same spot so long for a reason, uh, and he's also, from my own personal experience at coaching clinics, a really nice guy uh, who really takes care of people in the coaching profession. Uh, one thing that speaks for that is the enormous amount of friends he has in the coaching profession and all the former head coaches that come to his staff, such as Gunther Cunningham, such as uh, the guy that used to be at Arizona, whose name eludes me, who's coaching their linebackers, um, and so on. Uh, I think that the most important signing they've made so far this offseason has been luring Mike Heimerdinger away from Denver to come coach in Tennessee. The one thing that Mike Heimerdinger does better than just about anybody else in the league is develop wide receiving talent, with examples such as Derek Mason, such as Rod Smith, such as Ed McCaffrey. All those players had career years under Mike Heimerdinger either as receivers coach or as offensive coordinator. I believe that he'll be good for Vince Young's development, and that offense will improve. That being said, other than the signing of Algie Crump Crumpler, they really haven't given Vince Young any more weapons than he had last year. That receiving core still isn't very good. I don't think that the signing of Justin McCarrens will do anything significant, and I don't know why Mike Heimerdinger has always had a big wet dream for Justin McCarrens. Uh, I thought that Javon Kurse came at a good value for what they signed him for, and I thought that it was, it's always good to sign a player of Jake Scott's caliber when you can lure him away from a division rival. Uh, I think that the Titans... Uh, spent pretty smart in free agency, and I think that they're putting themselves in good position to make a run in a couple of years when Vince Young hits his prime, and I think that's sort of how they're uh, spending with that goal in mind. 
I think in the draft that they should add a wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Limus Swede, uh, Vince Young's old college teammate, going in that spot. I also think that they need to add some depth at their defensive line, which was ravaged by free agency. And finally, we come to the Washington Redskins, a team that in my estimation should not made the playoffs last year, but somehow squeaked in uh, by the gift of Sean Taylor, maybe, or something. I think that Joe Gibbs didn't do as bad a job of coaching that team as some people thought because they did make the playoffs with really not a great talent level if you look at their personnel. I think that Jim Zorn is a major question mark coming in as head coach because he is not really dealing with exceptional personnel, and it's not like he's coming in a situation where he just has to not mess it up. He's going to have to do some things to fix uh, some situations around there. The only notable things they've done in the offseason is re-sign Todd Collins and Rock Cartwright. The interesting thing is maybe finally Joe Gibbs got through to Dan Snyder and said, uh, free agency is not a shopping spree on a credit card, that there's a smart way to do it. Uh, you've got to hope that they draft well this year. Uh, picking 21st in the draft, it's not going to be easy. Some people are saying they should pick a defensive end. Personally, I think their biggest need is at defensive tackle, where they uh, just don't stop the run as well as they could. I think, obviously, defensive end still is an issue as well, where they need some pass rush. But I think that uh, football games are won and lost by stopping the run, first and foremost, and then second by the pass rush. I think that their draft should be a defensive line and defensive end heavy draft. I think if they do those things, that they can creep closer to consistent playoff contention. Uh, I think that they also need to continue to work on uh, putting some quality depth on their offensive line. And I think that it was very key that Joe Bugle stated offensive line coach. I think he's a tremendous coach. And with that, we have addressed all 32 NFL teams, unless I skipped one somehow on my list. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed my first podcast. And I also hope that you had somewhere really long to drive to so that uh, there was a reason you were listening to me talk for an hour uh, rather than you just wanting to do it. Uh, if you just wanted to listen to me for the sake of listening to me, I suggest you get professional help. Next week, uh, when I post my next podcast uh, episode, we will be discussing uh, some of the positions on offense, uh, results from the scouting combine. We're going to start talking about college prospects as we head closer to uh, the April draft. Uh, I'm going to start out talking about quarterbacks, as I mentioned a couple times this week, and I'll also uh, delve into the world of running backs. Uh, I think this is an excellent year for running backs, and I'll explain all the guys that I think are going to be quality NFL starters. Uh, In the meantime, if you have any questions that you'd like addressed on air, my email address for this podcast is nfldraftpodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out there. Uh, In the future, I'm working on getting a website up, but it's going to be a couple weeks. When it comes up, it will not only have mock drafts and draft links and draft widgets, but it will also have tips for throwing the ideal NFL draft party, which I am the king of. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to give a shout-out to my fantasy football league, the John Hudson FL, um, and its participants. And I'd like to give a shout-out to Patrick Marshall, who does an excellent mock draft, and you'll be seeing the results of that in coming weeks. Thank you for listening.